We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Good morning. Well, we're glad to see you back here. And what I told a gentleman yesterday is that we would look at another of the minor prophets. prophets. And Obadiah was the one that we talked about the last time. And I gave a couple of clues as to which book it might be, but I won't put you through all that. I will tell you which book it is. The book is Haggai. Now, Haggai is easy to locate in your Bible because if you can find Matthew, then you don't have to far, turn far to the left side in order to get to uh, Haggai. So that would be an easy, quick way to, to look for the book. It's a minor prophet. What's interesting, though, is when we talked about Obadiah, we said that Obadiah was the shortest of the Old Testament books. And, well, what about Haggai? Interestingly, Haggai is the second shortest. So, there we have it. So we'll be talking about the book of Haggai. I find it to be a very fascinating book. And today I want to talk about some introductory matters related to it. But before I, I do more, let's just have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to help us to, to accomplish what his goal is for us today. Our Father in heaven, our Lord God, we are thankful that you have enabled us to come together as a local body of believers and that you have given to us the privilege to have your word, the precious word of the living God. You enable us to spend some time to look in and consider what some of these things mean. We ask for the help of the Spirit of God this morning for each of us so that we will learn more and understand better not just what the things mean or meant in their context, but what they should mean to us and that they will impact us in the way that you want them to. So we ask this in the name of him who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ask with thanksgiving. Amen. Haggai. I thought about what way to characterize what we are beginning to look at in this particular book. But I have some different ideas as to what words I would choose. But the, the words that I have at the top of my notes today are 
for our subject, God neglected. And then I have a hyphen. A temple project neglected. God neglected. A temple project neglected. Now, I put it in that order for a reason. And the reason comes out of what I saw when I was looking in the text. What I'd like to do now, since this is quite a small book, I think I can read through the whole thing in about five minutes. And then that will get your mind fresh, uh, refreshed on what is here. And then I'll go back and I'll look at certain portions and then I'll make some context. And I'll say more about what my design is for today after the reading. So here is the reading. The book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 1. In the second year of Darius, king, of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You go up to the mountains, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. 
Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house. Because of my house that is in ruins. While every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land, and the mountains on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God has sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house. They came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. On the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Chapter 2. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now, be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you says the Lord of hosts. 
according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while. I will shake the heaven and the earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil, or any food, will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, no. And Haggai said, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. And now carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days when one came to a heap of 20 ephahs, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw out 50 baths from the press, there were but 20. I struck you with blight and mildew and hail in all the labors of your hands, yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. Consider now 
from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit, but from this day I will bless you. And again the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile nations. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them, the horses and their rulers, and shall come down, everyone by the sword of the brother, of his brother. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Jerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I am quite sure you found that quite interesting, just as I did. It says a lot there. And there is a lot there. There is a lot there. So now, I want to say, point to some things here. I made a list of some short terms that we read just now. And I picked out some of those. And I want to draw your attention to some of those because what, one of the things that I thought to do as I looked at this is to say, when Haggai prophesied, when he delivered these messages, the book is set up in four primary messages that were delivered. But then when he was delivering those, we ourselves who sit here and those who listen are listening, we were not the first audience. We were not the primary audience. But we do know, though, that it does have value for us, that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for us for correction, instruction, and for righteousness, and all those things. But we're not the first audience. So I began to think, this is addressed to certain people. And there are certain names listed here. Let me go through the list, and then I'm going to spend some time talking a little bit about some of these things and why I'm looking at it this way. Because part of what I'm trying to do is to say, it is worthwhile for us to consider imagining 
being a part of that original audience. And if we are to be able to imagine that, then we have to have some of the information that they had when they heard it, historical information that they knew, which we, when we first read this, we may not be thinking on those, those things or maybe are not even aware of those. Now, obviously, it would be an imperfect exercise, but I think it's a worthwhile one uh, to think about those things. But let me just point out some of the terms here. I have a number of them, quite a number. I'm going to read through these quickly. Darius is mentioned here in verse 1. He was a Persian king, not a Judaite king, but a Persian king. Zerubbabel is mentioned here. He is the governor of Judah, not the king of Judah. We have Joshua here, who is the high priest. And so we know those kinds of people have responsibilities. We have listed here, it says, the word of God. There's something that says, how God the prophet. There's this two phrase, two word phrase, this people. Now, the Lord is speaking. He said, this people. He didn't say in this place, my people. Now, we got that a lot in Obadiah, right? My people. But he didn't say that. It says this people. It says the Lord's house, this temple, my house. Then that these questions, these rhetorical questions that were asked, will it become holy? Will it become unclean? There's a phrase, a remnant of the people. There is that word, this temple and its former glory. And here's a very interesting expression. It says, when you came out of Egypt. That's quite interesting. They came out of Egypt. Didn't they just come out of Babylon, this remnant? They came out of Egypt. But Haggai is focused on people who, who didn't just not come out of Egypt. They have come out of Babylon. Interesting. And again, in verse 7 of chapter 2, it says, this house. Verse 9, this latter temple. And then the former temple. The Lord's temple. And then in that day, in that day, what day? That's an eschatological day. So one of the things is that I want us to notice is that Haggai, as short as the book is, containing only 38 verses, you notice that it talks about the covenant. That's the Mosaic covenant. But it also talks about an eschatological day, a future day that hasn't yet come. So this little book has a range that spans all the way from the Mosaic Covenant to a day that hasn't come yet. So it's a minor prophet. 
but it can't be minor in its message to cover all that range. That's the argument that we're making. Now, this book, it, the datum that is here, because of the datum of Darius, the historical documents of the, of the Persians have us to understand clearly what the dates are. And so the year 520 B.C. Another thing that's interesting is that the, the messages were given within a short span of time, all four given within four months. And so at the beginning of that time, there, there's this word about this temple, the temple building project. A temple project neglected. But by the end of the four months, they were back at work on the temple. Now, Haggai doesn't tell us, but they did keep on working. And within five years, they had it completed. And so they had another temple. It didn't have the glory and the ornateness of Solomon's temple. But that wasn't the issue. That wasn't an issue for God. Because God says, I will be with you. And so his presence is the thing that matters, not the ornateness of the building. While there is importance to the building, but the presence of the Lord is the primary concern and consideration. So, let me turn back now then to Numbers chapter 19. I went back here on some of the other ones that I looked at. What, what did I say? Chapter 19. I'm trying to see if I've picked up the correct reference here for what I want to, to look at. No, that's the wrong book. I knew that didn't sound right. If you return to Exodus, or just listen to me when I turn there and read, it's Exodus chapter 19. And I'm going to begin at verse 6, and I think I'll just read three verses or four. Exodus chapter 19. So now what we're looking at, the people who are referred to here are this people. I want to read something about, about that. Now, this is, I'm going to, let me start at the beginning of the chapter and just to get us oriented in Exodus chapter 19. In the third month, after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. They came out of Egypt. And that was one of the phrases that I drew your attention to when you came out of Egypt and that covenant. And here is what it says. I'm going to skip down to verse 5 for the interest of time here. 
Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a king, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, and the people may hear when I speak with you and believe forever, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. So that is what I wanted to draw attention to. Because as I said, when Haggai is speaking, he's not speaking to the first generation of people who came out of Egypt. But he is, he is speaking to their descendants. He's speaking to the same people, not the same individuals, the same nation, but not the same individuals. God's special treasure, the people were to, who were to be a holy people, that's the people to whom he's speaking. Now, we know something of the history of Israel and what happened with them over the years. I'll just revisit some of that. David was a man who was described by God as a man after his own heart, a man after God's own heart. God knew the thoughts and the intents of the heart of Moses, I mean, of, of uh, David. David did some egregious sins. We know that. But he was a man after God's own heart. David came to the end of his term on the earth, and he had a desire to build a house for the Lord, a temple for God. He had a desire to do it. That was his heart, heart's desire. Why? Why would he have that kind of a goal and a desire burning within him? It had to do with the heart of the man, the condition of his soul. That's what it was about. And he wanted to do this, and God honored the fact that he wanted to do it. But it wasn't to be in his day that the house would be built. God said to, to David, you are not going to be allowed to see the temple built. It will be done by your son. And so Solomon was born. 
and it was going to be his responsibility to build this temple. And so he got it done. Now, we know of Solomon that he didn't just build the temple, although he did a magnificent job in getting that done. And it was a magnificent structure revered throughout the world. But the temple and the idea of it was that this was a place where God would meet with his people. This is where the, the, the central place where God is. Proper worship, proper community, proper government, proper everything that the people needed centered in the temple. The temple was an important place. And it got built. But the years rolled on. The commitment that the people has voiced with David, I mean with Moses, I'm sorry, the people that the, the commitment that the people have voiced with Moses when they had just come out of Egypt, shall we say, had, had gone by the wayside and the generations succeeding let us stay by the wayside. Now, it wasn't that God wasn't cognizant of what was going on. He saw it all, the, all together. And as a consequence of that, after Solomon's departure, we know that the kingdom divided. And so there was the northern kingdom and the southern. The northern often was referred to as Israel, and the southern is Judah. And we know what happened with that northern kingdom. They got involved in idol worship and all kinds of things that were egregious, egregious to God. And they just kept right on going until it got to a fever pitch. And God said, enough. And so at around 722 B.C., what happens? The Assyrians roll in, and they wreck the northern kingdom, Israel. And they deport, depart, I mean, they deport a large number of those people off to Assyria. And they bring in other people and put them there. Judah wasn't deported at that time. Judah knew what was going on. Judah observed. It's almost like with us when we sometimes are able to have uh, real-time information about certain tragedies that are happening in the world. And we, we, we see it. We know it. It's not a mystery to us that these things are, are real and they're happening. And they're not imagined. That's the way that Judah was when Israel was going through that. And what do they do? What should have been their response? You know, one time, probably many times, when I've stood here, I've said, well, is it possible to learn from someone else's mistake or error or wrongdoing? Is it possible for us to learn from that and not do the thing they did? Well, for Judah, it wasn't to be. They did the same things that they were doing in the northern kingdom. 
as if to think that somehow they were not subject to the same measure by the same God who measured the northern kingdom and found them short. And so what did God do? Their sinfulness. It also got to the fever pitch. It got to the place beyond which God would not allow it to go more. And so then what does he do? The Babylonians come rolling in. And they do with the southern kingdom, Judah, would have been done to the northern kingdom by the Assyrians. And so from 722, they keep coming on down until they get to 586, and now they get that judgment. And so a part of what happened then is, so what happened to that ornate, magnificent, wonderful temple that Solomon built? What happened? They ripped it down, those Babylonians. The things that were precious things that were in the temple, they hauled those off to Babylon. Now, this would be, we could say, the saddest day you could imagine. The central place for God's people. And it's all just decimated. The leaders of the people and the most of the people just marched on down to Babylon, chained up and Okay, let's go on the march. They're leaving behind some of the poorer people to care for the land and that. But that's what happened with them. Sad indeed. Now, God in his program has ordained that that's not all that is to be done as far as the temple and his presence with his people. And so at the end of these notes that I had there, we talked about a eschatological day in that day. So a day is coming, but it's not yet. So then, what happens? See, Jeremiah prophesied that the people were going to have to go down to Babylon and dwell there for 70 years, and this was a punishment for what they had done. But then after that time, they were going to be allowed to return And so God raises up. He uses uh, these uh, non-Jewish people, non-Israelites. He he uses them to to permit their return. Cyrus issuing a decree and even making provisions for the rebuilding of the temple. Now, so at about, I think it was 538 when they were permitted to go back, or 537, I think maybe there's a decree in 537 somewhere there, 538, 537. And so the people began to return, so the remnant returned to Judah. And from the information that I've looked at, they returned in three ways. The first wave was in 
in 538. And that was, they were about 50,000 people. And Zerubbabel was in that crowd. And then later on in 458, Ezra led, led a group back. And then Nehemiah after that at about 444 B.C. So the people came back. And they had a goal to rebuild the temple. And they started on the project, but they had a lot of opposition. And so after two years, after they got the foundation in, the building project came to a halt. And so that's about 536 B.C. when the project comes to a halt. They got a foundation in. But a building with just a foundation and nothing more is not a completed building. And so God sends Haggai with a message. And the message is that the temple is important to it is important that it gets built. Now one of the things is so why is the temple important? Is it just because of the people? No. God. The temple is important to God. God says, I will be with you. Shalais said that the glory of God really is the issue. But the people have an integral part in what is necessary for God to get his proper glory. And so they're out of joint. God has to work with them, get them back in joint again. But to glorify God and to honor him. And that's what really is, is all about. So we, so we, as we start here in, in, in this book of Haggai, where he says, well, this people... I'm jumping now into verse 2 of Haggai, chapter 1. This people says, and I made note that it doesn't say my people, though many times in many of the books, God refers to the people as my people. But he's saying this people. It's like a distancing. They're not behaving. And I'm not going to use that phrase just now, although they are still his people. But they were saying it's not time to build the Lord's house. Now, you will remember that there were supplies that were already made available for the building of the temple. And it was my understanding that there were sufficient provisions made for them to be able to go ahead and build the temple if they would have been able to keep to the project. Now, we understand that there were some temporal issues and opposition and all that that interfered with the work. But for it to lay dormant for 16 years, God says, no. Get back to work and build the temple. And they obeyed and they did it. And so that's the beginning of Haggai. So, so here now we have a people who we st- first started connecting with them in our talk today when they came out of Egypt and the covenant that God made with them. And so they came out of Egypt. They had all those years. And now they've had their, uh, they had their fall. 
Then they had a judgment. They had a deportation to Babylon. And now a remnant has been permitted to return. And so now it's time to get things back in order for the proper worship of God again. That's where they are. And this is what Haggai is focusing on. You've got to have proper worship of God. If you don't have it, you need to stop, pause, and start again and get it right. Because until that happens, he's saying, things are just not going to be what they ought to be. It's just not going to happen. So God is saying to Haggai, tell the people, it's got to be my way. And when they do it my way, everything is going to be okay. Pray. We're praying close. Our Lord God, we are thankful that you have promised that when we do it your way, everything will be okay. Help us, Lord, to learn from your word that the Spirit of the Lord can work in our lives to the glory of God. We pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you very much for your kind attention.